You're listening to Conversation with the Experts, a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hi, my name is Tania Ramos and I'm a clinical nurse educator for the Education Outreach Program here at RCH. I'm also a clinical nurse specialist in the recovery room. Joining us today is Dr. Peter Squire, staff anaesthetist here at RCH. Today, we will be discussing pre-medication for children presenting for anaesthesia and surgery. Welcome, Pete. Hi, Tanya. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for making the time um, to speak to us about pre-medication in children. It's such a kind of important topic and something that people really uh, would like to know uh, more about. Um, and I actually sort of want to start a little bit different and ask you, first of all, how can we avoid pre-medications in children prior to anesthetics and surgery? Well, a pre-med is actually just a complement to one of the most important things you do as part of your anesthetic, and that is meeting the family and the patient and try to um, do some pre-hospital preparation. So you need to engage with the child and explain to them what's going to happen. And the best way for this to work is if the parents have actually told the child they're having surgery, believe it or not, occasionally the kid doesn't know. Yeah. And um, that can be so challenging. How would you quickly try and establish like a, a positive relationship if the parents haven't explained that to a child? Oh, you just explain to them that, look, you know, you're not the first kid to have this done today and mm-hmm. everyone's here, everyone's going to be safe and we need to fix the problem that's brought you to hospital. Yeah. And the best way to do that is that we give you some medicine and, and the best way to go to sleep is, is to cooperate. So Yeah. How can we prepare the ch- maybe the child and the parents before they come into hospital to maybe try and take that pressure off, you know, having to give a premedication because they're highly anxious? Uh, if you can just explain to them what's going to happen and reassure them, engage with them, and even sometimes showing them a bit of equipment like a face mask and yeah. explaining that it, it's just a medicine they might be breathing to go to sleep, but just giving them a step-by-step example of, of what's going to happen. So they're not shocked. Yeah. And we're pretty lucky here. We also have the child life therapist that we can call upon, um, and help prepare that child, I guess, before they have their surgery. Oh, they're great. And you know, they're the experts in distraction and they teach us so much about how to engage with the child. And in fact, if you bring them into the anesthetic room with you, you find that they'll do half the job for you and let you get on with focusing on your pharmacology, if you like. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we do hypnosis and um, these are skills that are very much finding their way in anesthesia at the moment. Mm-hmm. Peter Howe actually spoke about that in one of our last um, podcasts. And so can you tell us a little bit, so say for example, you've done your pre-op consult and you've identified that this child may require a pre-med. Can you tell us about the benefits of um, you know, having a pre-med and who would you prescribe one to? Look, it can be really surprising as to who you think would benefit from a pre-med. Sometimes the kid you think doesn't need one turns out to be the one you you wish you'd given one to. Right. Um, So it can be a little unpredictable. Essentially, a kid who's uncooperative, has clear pre-off anxiety, and has had a negative experience before might well benefit from just having some medicine that helps calm them down. Yeah. Um, we, we've seen kids literally have a dose of a pre-med that transforms them from a, a scared, uncooperative individual to one who cooperates and gets on with having their anesthetic done. Yeah. And then they're sort of sitting there in pre-op hold, quite happy, you know, laughing or, or interacting with their parent. And I guess that would make your role easier too, in that kind of induction process as well. 
Well, these things amplify. If you can have the child settled, usually the parent settles as well. And that parent then feels a whole lot more comfortable about the procedure and they can reinforce to the child again that everything's going to be okay. Are there any other sort of patient groups that might be a trigger for you to prescribe a premedication prior to an anaesthetic? Look, sometimes there's a procedure where, or there's a condition where an, a, a pre-med is essentially part of the anaesthetic in a way. It mm-hmm. might actually help you minimise doses of anaesthetic agents that you've got to use, and it may actually help you facilitate doing an IV induction rather than being forced to use, you know, an inhalation or, or gas induction. And sometimes we have to do an IV induction for um, safety reasons. Right. And so would that be most like, um, you know, for children, I guess, who've maybe been, you know, in a car accident or are you talking about children who maybe are going to have cardiac surgery? Which children would be the ones that you would give an intravenous induction and would benefit maybe from a pre-med? Yeah. So those are two good examples. So sometimes you really need to make sure you have good IV access prior to commencing your anaesthetic. If that's a, a requisite, they may just need a little something, whether that's, you know, intranasal fentanyl or oral midazolam, yeah. it just helps you facilitate getting IV access. Yeah. What are some of the agents that you would, pharmacological agents that you would use as a pre-med, um, you know, for children? You mentioned intranasal uh, fentanyl and some midazolam. Are there others? And do you have a preference? Our most common agents are midazolam, clonidine, ketamine, and nowadays dexmedetomidine as well. Um, importantly, they all work by different pathways and different mechanisms. Indeed, sometimes we use them as uh, in combination, but you shouldn't do that in an unmonitored environment. Right. Uh, but yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of different, and it's not just the type of drug you use, it's the dose that you use as well. Mm-hmm. They and all do have you, different... Do you have a standard for what you'd like to use for your patients if okay, you think they I, require... I tend to find... The most predictable and um, easiest one to predict the onset would be midazolam and clonidine. Yeah. I don't use them together usually, but one of those two is a good safe agent to use. Clonidine, you have to be a little careful about it lingering afterwards, whereas midazolam, it works in 10 minutes and it wears off in 45, so it's quite a good agent. Yeah. And, um, and in regard to, you talked about, um, sort of intranasal fentanyl, would you be using that, um, say for the kids who were really uncooperative where we probably, you know, maybe if they were spitting out their pre-med and, and who would you use, say a pre-med that required maybe an intramuscular injection? Okay. So intranasal fentanyl, dexmedetomidine and midazolam, sorry, those three can all be used intranasally. Yeah, we, I, I only tend to use it if there's an uncooperative patient who must have the pre-med. Right. And it probably is nicer than uh, an intramuscular injection. Intramuscular injections I tend to reserve for ketamine in a, mm-hmm. in a big patient who is, you know, might be one of our special needs kids who is severely autistic and who weighs over 60 kilos or something. They may benefit more from an intramuscular rather than an intranasal injection. And, um, you know, we've talked about sort of the kind of patient groups that would receive a pre-med and some of the types of pre-med, but uh, are there any patient groups or conditions uh, where pre-med is, a pre-medication is contraindicated? It's pretty uncommon that you have absolute contraindications to a pre-med. 
However, there's lots of things in context uh, and things like obstructive or central sleep apnea, uh, kids with severe renal or hepatic impairment, any kid who has an altered conscious level or, or signs of raised intracranial pressure, beware of a child who actually is systemically very unwell. Right. And um, anyone who's prone to reduced oxygenation or has an active respiratory tract infection, you know, and, and, and even an anticipated difficult airway, those things, usually they don't absolutely stop you giving a pre-med, but you have to step back and think, well, in the context of this kid's illness, is a pre-med absolutely necessary? Is, is this going to be beneficial? And, you know, speaking from a recovery nurse's point of view, when you're prescribing your pre-medication, do you often think about the wake-up as in, you know, is this going to be a prolonged wake-up? How long will this child be sort of in recovery? I mean, often our practice would be if a child's had midazolam, we wouldn't tend to rouse them too quickly and let them sleep it off, you know, to try and avoid them getting emergence delirium. Or um, Can you sort of speak on that? Well, we're so lucky here. We've got these skilled recovery nurses like you, Tanya. <laughs> Uh, it, it's always something to take, take into context. A pre-med is not thought of in isolation. It should be thought of as part of your overall anaesthetic. And some of these agents can linger into the post-operative period and they may be synergistic or additive to any agents that you gave during the operation. So mm -hmm. if you're going to give, you know, significant doses of opiates, for instance, you may want to be careful how much of a pre-med you're giving, such as, or whether it's a long-acting one, such as clonidine. Oh, fantastic. If, for example, you know, you've prescribed a pre-med um, and in pre-op hold, and often we would do this, I guess, too, in recovery on a weekend or after hours, and, you know, we feel like the patient might have had too much. And by too much, I, you know, I mean they've become quickly obtunded or we might have to support their airway. What do you think would be the right steps to do this? I know, you know, I've had this uh, happen before where the child's, you know, pretty much become unconscious and um, the anaesthetist said, yeah, perfect. They're ready for me to take them in now. Um, you know, we wouldn't necessarily reverse them. Do you want to touch on that? Oh, absolutely. Like I said, a pre-med is part of the anaesthetic and it does involve a team to administer it. It is an ideal situation. The pre-med's had an effect and you can go into the anaesthetic room and get on with the anaesthetic. However, there's occasions where an excessively sedated child it may have actually come about because there's been a combination of pre-meds given. And whenever there's a combination of pre-meds being given, you should really think, what environment am I in? Is this safe to be doing it here? And that that's also in places like the ED, which even though they're, they're very good environments for pre-meds, sometimes you might be in a cubicle or something like that. And if you're giving a combination of two pre-meds, you should consider being monitored in a closely watched environment. Occasionally, instead of taking them straight to theatre, you may have to give a reversal agent such as naloxone or flumazenil. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think I've only ever been involved in the reversal of one child in sort of the last 21 years that I've been here. Um, so that's pretty good. So it's not something that really that happens that often. Uh, you talked about too, you know, there's obviously different routes to administer a 
a pre-med such as the oral, intranasal, uh, and even though not ideal, the intramuscular, obviously children wouldn't be too happy about that. With all your years of experience here, mm. do you have any little tips and tricks that you could give our listeners who might be involved in giving oral medication to children or, um, you know, pre-medications that typically don't taste uh, wonderfully? What are some of the tricks that you could um, uh, use, I guess, to enable them to have their, their pre-med? Well, as well as being an anaesthetist, I'm also a dad and I can tell you one of the best tricks is to get mum to do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, engage the parent, have a chat with them as to how best to approach this. And then once you've chosen, say, something like clear apple juice or undiluted cordial or even occasionally Coca-Cola, but you've got to remember not to break fasting guidelines, get it all ready and get the mum involved or the dad involved or the, whatever mm -hmm. caregiver and be confident and be quick Yeah. and don't dawdle. You know, you just tell the car, okay, we're doing it. We've all agreed to do it and just do it. Yeah, fantastic. And Pete, I guess as we're wrapping up today, um, what are your sort of two to three take-home messages you have for us in regards to, you know, giving pre-medications um, for children? Okay, you need to get the timing right. There's no point giving it and then having it wear off. Well, there's no point giving it and then going straight to theatre without letting it take effect. So timing. Perfect. Involve the parent and make sure you be careful if you're giving combinations. Yeah, wonderful. Well, I've learned so much in this last few minutes um, speaking with you today, Pete. We really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Conversation with the Experts, part of the Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast series. If you'd like to hear more of our podcasts, check out our other podcast show, Teach, Think, Treat.